0: Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question. What is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. This is the 448th show of ROI. And our guest for today's show is Toby Payone, director for Great River Uniserve for the Iowa Education Association. And we're going to be talking about education and Iowa politics 2022. The history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. The show's theme song is Kayla's Theme, written and performed by Mark zapp And our producer and engineer, as always, is Dave Baker. To begin, welcome back to the show, Toby. Well, thank you, guys. I always appreciate
1: uh, being on the air with you. All
0: right. So we call this first segment History is Local, and what we want to do is kind of give people a little bit of background to to what our conversation is going to be about. So can you start us off with some basic information on what kinds of educational legislation has popped up in the legislature, the Iowa legislature, uh, this year?
1: Well, um, it's sort of like uh, the old adage when you get married, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Um, The the old is every year the state legislature has to approve some measure of funding for public schools in the state of Iowa. And when I say public schools, I mean K-12 community colleges and the regents' universities. Um, And uh, so that's something that is almost ongoing every single year. Um, Something uh, new, uh, and I'd also say that this is borrowed from other states, we've seen um, what I call the lightning rod um, effect of some bills that would penalize uh, teachers if they assign students um, certain controversial books that might have some, um, obscene is not the right term, but some, um, some semi-provocative material uh, or material that some people believe is not suitable for kids under the age of 18. Um, it would penalize uh, school districts and administrators as well, And librarians um, because the library system is a public library system here in the state in this state Um, we've seen some attempts to uh, have teachers being required to wear or have cameras in their um, classrooms Um, and another bill that's coming uh, to the fore is a bill that would require teachers to have their teaching lessons or their curriculum um, basically available um, for the entire year at the beginning of the school year. Um, And for anyone who wants to access it electronically um, could access it uh, at any time that they see fit. So these are, these are some of the things that are right now floating through the, Uh, Iowa legislature, another bill would give money, public money and public dollars uh, to private schools or private school scholarships so that children uh, who uh, were able to get those scholarships could use them at a private school and not uh, for a public education. So lots of activity um, leaning more and more to the right. from a ideological perspective.
0: Okay, so we all know that not all bills that that get proposed um uh make it through the process. Uh, mm-hmm. And and sometimes it feels like uh, some bills are proposed simply as sort of almost red herrings. I'm going to get everybody all excited about this bill, which I never really had much of a thought of going through. And in the meantime, I'll get these other things through because nobody's paying attention. Um, which of these, which of the bills that have kind of percolated through, and we're now kind of, we're we're at that funnel point, I think, or we're getting right. close mm-hmm. to a funnel point. Um you know what? What is sort of looks like it's going to make the cut, um, and and what things have been sort of tossed to the side, and and of the ones that have been tossed, how do you feel about how those bills, why those bills were proposed in the first place, and and what was be trying to be accomplished there?
1: Well, one bill that has <clears throat> that's going to the governor's desk right now is the school funding bill, uh, and that is at two point five percent. Supplemental State Aid or allowable growth from what schools were receiving uh, last year uh, in in Iowa, two point five percent increase may seem you know pretty reasonable, but uh, when the inflation rate is seven and a half percent, schools in Iowa are not even going get uh, an inflationary increase in in funding. So it's a uh, but that that bill has already um, been passed by both. House and Senate and is on its way to the governor's desk for her signature. And I think all indications are is that she's going to sign it. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, The the other bills are in a state of flux, if you will. Um, There's uh, some are moving, some have died. The one bill that I know which has died was the one that required cameras in every public school classroom. Um, and to be on all day, you know, so that uh, parents or people from the public or whomever could actually tap into those videos and see what's going on in a classroom almost on a day-to-day basis. That bill didn't even get a hearing. Um, It died uh, in committee. Uh, To answer your other question about, you know, what's the motivation behind these bills? um, You know, there's a, there's a, vocal uh, i don't want to say necessarily a minority but perhaps a minority um of people who have distrust of of what's being taught in schools they are opposed to things like critical race theory um which as a former social studies teacher i will tell you um was never taught in my classroom or the classrooms of colleagues that i had but nevertheless um they there's a, a, a well of suspicion as to what teachers and librarians, et cetera, are doing in classrooms. So that's one reason why you're seeing some of these bills pop up. The one bill, which would essentially criminalize um, the use of some uh, books, which may be in some people's minds, provocative or controversial, yep. uh, that bill is still alive, Um and i know it had a senate hearing last week um whether or not it gets traction uh in the full senate or in the house uh, remains to be seen but these things don't always just die in the funnel per se what often happens is they can get latched onto another piece of legislation that is moving through the process so uh you never say die until the gavel at the end of the session is 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 struck.
0: Okay. Um, we've only got about three minutes or so for this segment. So I'm going to try to ask a question that's that, that should, you should be able to give a, a relatively short answer. Sure. Um, so with the legislature, so controlled and, and the governor's office so controlled, um, how much leverage have Democrats got to influence, um, the way the bills work, and then sort of a follow-up to that 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 you you can pass and we'll hit it next session, is it feels like the House has been the cooling down place for some of the more uh, radical legislation that's popped up. The Senate seems to incubate and the House seems to to kind of damp things down and alter or refuse to pick up. Um, Do you see that playing out as well? with this session as it goes forward?
1: Yes. um, You hit the nail on the head. The Senate seems to be the incubator of the controversial topics, although there have been some in the House, too. Um, The camera bill was a House bill, not a Senate bill. Um, But the sinister teachers uh, bill um, on allegedly pornographic materials being brought into schools uh, started in the Senate Um, You know, what Democrats have been doing primarily is speaking of the of the uh, loyal uh, minority here. And they have a very consistent plan that they have been uh, advocating. Uh, They want three hundred million dollar increases in funding of public schools and they've been pretty unified in their opposition. With this being an election year, it'll be interesting to see what happens in November if the Democrats' ideas have any any traction.
0: Okay. Well, we have a lot more to talk about, so please stay tuned for the next segment of our show. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM.
2: The KALA website is your one-stop spot to find out more about your favorite radio station, submit a public service announcement, catch up on news about KALA, and listening to any of our three stations, 88.5, 1061, or The Stinger, is just a click away. Visit KALAFM.org. That's KALAFM.org. Hello, and welcome back to
0: ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords, and this is the second segment of the show, referred to as The Kitchen Table. Our guest for today is Toby Payone, director for the Great River Uniserve of the Iowa Education Association, and we're talking about education and Iowa politics 2022. Our history buffs for today are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. And Rick, as the political scientist of the group, why don't you start us off?
3: Uh, Toby, uh, at the introduction that uh, the rampant mistrust uh, in what uh, is taught is also apparently mistrust of teachers and administrators and anybody who has anything to do with the education uh, system. What is the what's what's the real reason behind this? Is this is uh, have we have we missed something on emails and and CNN? What what's behind this uh, distrust of education?
1: I think it's indicative of the mistrust we have in society. Um, it, It it's an outgrowth of what seems to be a very divisive country right now in a divisive world. Um, you know, we could point our fingers at social media or at recent uh, political leaders um, who are now in office or out of office. Um, I, but I think it's just a, it's an indicative of a divide uh, that is, has sprung up and, um, much of it is uh, repeated over and over again in the echo chambers of, of Fox News um, or on social media. Um, and it, unfortunately, it seems as if a critical uh, analysis of, of world events it has fallen by the wayside. Instead, what we get is um, people believing the latest ideological spin, um, and so why
3: attack why attack education?
1: Well, some people believe that's exactly where it starts, that uh, the reason why and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, the reason why um, our our kids aren't learning is because of of, you know, critical race theory or controversial pornographic books that are available for students. And it leads to a quote unquote degradation of our society. Um, You know, part of it, it has been uh, a lot of the people who I've seen being really critical of public education and, and policies within school districts and such came out over mask mandates Um, That students were required to have masks in schools for quite a long period of time several months uh, during the COVID pandemic and that in and of itself led to suspicion and angst um, lawsuits um, protests we're still seeing protests up in Canada for example right now over it Uh, that I think has just fed this conspiracy, uh, anger, um, groundswell that we've been seeing across the country and around the world. Okay. Ed?
4: Yeah, um, Toby, if I may, um, I'd like to put uh, our discussion in sort of a longer-term context. Um, one of the things that I think should be said any time we talk about school funding is that the average increase uh, not adjusted for inflation but just the average increase for the last 10 years this year makes 11 for school funding has been 1.9 percent and that coincides nicely with the Republican regurgitation of Terry Branstad as governor Um, the 10 years before that um, which was we had a Democratic governor the average increase was five percent um there's a long term pattern here um, and given that Iowa is forty sixth out of fifty states and uh, on the lower end of uh, beginning teacher' salary, uh, can you sort of expand this into that longer context
1: sure um, it's it's almost like anything else you get what you pay for if you invest in uh, quality education. You invest in roads and bridges. You invest in infrastructure. You invest in uh, public health, uh, et cetera. You're going to have a society that's going to benefit uh, from those things. And if you uh, disinvest or divest from these uh, these public goods, and they all are public goods, they're not private goods per se, um, then those segments of society are going to uh, fall. Um, You know, Iowa used to be one of the leaders, if not the leader, in the United States in terms of public education. And by almost every metric, it has fallen um, over the last several years. And, in fact, our population is exhibiting of that. Uh, Iowa has lost population or has not grown like other states probably because those investments simply are not there. And, um, you know, you do get what you pay for in this life. And uh, if you don't invest in these things, then um, the quality of life for everybody, which we all have in common, uh, these things that we all have in common, starts to decline.
0: Toby, I'm going to kind of follow up on that because one of the things we haven't hit on yet was the uh, teacher shortage that has um, right. really popped up, really become an issue with COVID, uh, although it was brewing in the years before COVID. Um, talk a little bit about why we have a teacher shortage um, and what, you know, we the governor is talking about um, a uh, $1,000 uh, incentive bonus for people who sign contracts for next year. Uh, teachers, which which strikes me as close to being insulting, that that you think a thousand dollars onto my salary is going to be enough to to uh, f- turn me somehow away from from a path that I'm choosing to go. Um, mm-hmm. But how do we how do you deal with teacher shortages? Um, and I'm not thinking just in terms of money, because I, as a as a long term teacher. Um, money was never the number one thing on teachers' minds. It was things like control of curriculum and being uh, safe in my classroom, and, and those things uh, also seem to be very much in short supply. So can you talk a little about
4: that?
1: Yeah, and the teacher shortage is not a new phenomenon, okay? Um, what has been happening over the last decade or so is you've seen fewer and fewer people go into teaching, the pipeline of students going to college who want to become teachers has shrunk um, exponentially. Um, One of the big concerns I have for the next 10 years is we're going to see a lot of people retire um, as the baby boom generation continues to age. And yet we're not seeing enough people coming in through the system to uh replace those people who are retiring it's a it's gotten to be uh almost a crisis um uh because the people who are left teaching classrooms uh, are going to have larger classes and less control over you know their working environments um, so it it's not a new problem but it's been exacerbated in my opinion from the hostile rhetoric that you see on social media or you see on various networks, um, radio as well, not just television. Um, people are saying, why am I putting myself through this? If I, I'm only going to get uh, blasted, uh, in the news or blasted in social media, uh, I'll go into the private sector, maybe making more money, um, but even if I don't make as much money i am not going to be putting up with the stress and the anxiety of just trying to do my job every day so um it's its you know words matter um <laughs> rhetoric matters um and people aren't going into it primarily because it's such a hostile uh toxic uh environment out out in the public right now Rick
3: be I'm going to continue the uh, school funding teacher shortage conversation that we just mm-hmm. had uh, it is apparent i've i've got I've got friends whose children are uh, are leaving at the end of this this semester there's like five teachers in various edu- uh, uh, school districts throughout Iowa because nothing specific but as talking to a couple of them it was a hostility uh you know, lack of funds, lack of support, um, being a target. You no, know, you, you've you given some pretty compelling arguments as to why some of these bills and the direction the legislature is going on education is not a good thing, is not sustainable. Are they stupid? Are, I mean, <laughs> does, does somebody not talk to these people? Uh, I mean, they certainly can uh, connect the dots. They can... The must understand because they probably went through the Iowa educational system. Uh, but are they just not listening to to these arguments?
1: Um, I don't believe they are. I think they are listening to uh, their own echo chamber on AM radio and on uh, social media uh, and on Fox News. I, I think that's where they get. Their very limited worldview of of life, um, and it spills over in public into the public uh, conversation about education. Um, it, it boggles my mind um, uh, th- that some of the rhetoric is so strident and so far to the right. Uh, when they haven't walked into a classroom and asked the question or into a library and asked the question, what's going on here? Um, If I have a problem, let's say with a controversial book, how can I request information about that book? How can I challenge it? Every school district across this state has a policy, for example, on how to, how parents can Challenged curriculum and and school library yeah, books, yeah. et cetera. And they've done it for years. It, it it's not rocket scientists, uh, rocket science. But I think again, COVID has brought out, uh, and the mask mandate was really the, the linchpin that that started this whole thing. Uh, just this anger toward anything that speaks with of a public mind public education or state government or local government that's where i think it all stemmed and started and, and is continuing on to this day
4: okay ed yeah um toby it hasn't uh gotten much press lately but uh as a resident of the davenport school district uh where jay is from which jay is retired um several years ago uh we heard a lot and uh Superintendent Art Tate um, basically fell on his sword for the good of the district uh, regarding school funding formulas, where if I recall the number Davenport School District gets shorted $175 per student per year right. on state state funding. Um, and I don't know the details of that, um, but uh, I also read a piece a few years ago that said 48 of the 50 states the legislatures put a floor under state spending and that iowa is one of the two states that puts a cap on Mm -hmm. state spending um now that strikes me as really a ridiculous approach um but um can you talk about how austerity is failing uh we don't have to talk about davenport specifically But this austerity thing hasn't worked, and I've yet to see anything where cutting the budget makes things better.
1: Well, and and it's also affecting rural school districts just as much as it's affecting urban school districts. Um, the only places that are quote thriving, and I would I would even put that in air quotes, um, are the suburban districts that uh, like Pleasant Valley and North Scott here in in the Quad Cities area where there's been population growth. But in places where there is a population decline, uh, especially of, of young people, i.e. rural Iowa, um, the inner cities of Davenport, Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, et cetera. um, They, they have uh, what's called a budget guarantee uh, in terms of the school funding formula where money can't go below a particular point that, that is, that is a floor. Um, But so their budget is guaranteed up to 1% increase from the previous year. Well, now, here's the problem you run into in a rural situation. The fewer students you have, um, you still have high transportation costs. You still have to have, uh, you may even have higher transportation costs because now you got to have a sharing of districts and sharing of students, which means, oh, it's going to cost me more to run buses from point A to point B. In the urban school districts, you've got urban poverty so you've got higher needs children um, who are by definition more expensive to educate Um, and and you have rural poverty too so it's hurting both sides of that coin and the only ones who are really thriving and i would again put that in air quotes are the suburban districts from a financial perspective
0: right Along those lines, uh, we have had some conversations on this radio show about what seems to be an urban-rural split. Um, and there there certainly seems to be, at, at least in the rhetoric that we hear out of the legislature, uh, a lot of conversation in which there is a implicit... Sometimes explicit, but not very often, but an implicit feeling that urban school districts have been squandering resources for decades, um, and that you don't really need all of the money that has been going in there that 's why we've been cutting things because it really isn't necessary um, while the uh, while the rural districts are are looking around and and saying, "We need help, we need help, we need help um is there is there really a rural urban divide in terms of educational thought or is that some again some kind of a red herring or a red flag um that that's there and and if that's true how do we deal with that
1: um there is an urban rural divide in terms of culture you know um i'm looking right now at a map of iowa and Ringgold ring gold county which is along the uh iowa missouri border has prob- as is as large uh, if not larger than scott county um R- iowa in terms of geographic size but it its population is minuscule compared to scott county it's just, it just doesn't have the population base um so you have you do have a Uh, a rural-urban split in terms of culture, Um, no question. But I think where it's going to really hit the fan here in the next year or so, uh, well, certainly next school year, is the fact that rural school districts are dying. Um, uh, Just like urban school districts have out-migration of, let's face facts, uh, of a wealthier, um, mobile, uh, upwardly mobile uh, population base you, in the rural areas. You don't have kids who are, um, you know, staying around in these small towns and and on farms. They're leaving because there aren't the jobs and the economic opportunities there. So there's some common cause uh, with urban and rural survivability, in my opinion, um, and. The, the, the two need to get together and say enough is enough. We, 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 we can't afford another 10 years, 11 years, as Ed was saying, of decline in terms of funding for public education because it's going to hurt both equally and very hard.
0: All right. Well, it is customary for us to give our guests the last word on the show. So, Toby, why do you think knowing about the education agenda in the Iowa legislature this year is relevant in today's world?
1: I think it's very relevant uh, because it's indicative of the divisions we have in our own society. Um, It's indicative of the fact that your vote in November um, actually matters um, you know we elected these people, uh, and if uh, they're they're doing what they believe is the will of the people. If you didn't vote, if you didn't get out and express your uh, desire for which candidates you wanted, uh, then shame on you. Um, these folks are um, elected believing that uh, they have the full authority and full backing of the public. Um, If you don't like it, then you've got to do something about it. If you do like it, then, you know, you're happy as a clam. But um, the fact is uh, our state is increasingly divided, and I don't see it healing anytime soon.
0: I I, I guess I'm going to sort of throw my two cents in there. I, I agree with that. And I, th- I think one of the things we haven't talked about, and hopefully we will in our podcast segment for our viewers um, who want to uh, tune into that on SoundCloud or uh, Google Podcasts or whatever, is we really need to talk about uh, how the, the attack on public education has coincided with um, a, a surge in promoting private education. This really feels almost like uh, a change of of uh, mindset that, that we're going to that education is going to become privatized rather than a, an act for the public good, and uh, that bothers me a lot. That I see a lot of, of bad possibilities there. At any rate, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up. So please stay tuned. This is ROI on KLA St. Ambrose University, 106.1 FM.
2: You're listening to Relevant or Irrelevant. ROI airs Friday nights at 9.30 p.m. on KALA HD2 and can also be heard at 106.1 FM in the Metropolitan Quad City area. You can stream this show every Friday night at TuneIn.com. Search for KALA HD2.
0: This concludes our 448th show of ROI, relevant or irrelevant. Our producer and engineer is Dave Baker. Our program manager is Rick Sweet. And the theme song for our show is titled Kayla's Theme and was written and performed by Mark Sapsapital. My name is Jay Swords. We'd like to thank our guest, Toby Payone, director for the Great River Uniserve of the Iowa Education Association, who talked with us about education in Iowa politics 2022. The history buffs for today's show are Rick Sweet and Ed Broders. This is ROI, relevant or irrelevant, on KALA. The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of St. Ambrose University or KALA. We would like to wish all listeners to experience the Great Basutu Proverb, Otza Pula Nala, Peace, Reign, and Prosperity. And remember, historians are horrible fortune tellers. Good night.